All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What the fucking ears? This is Mark Marin. This is WTF. Welcome to the show. Uh, I'm happy to be back. I just got back from Seattle. I had a great time up there. Amazing. Thank you, Sub Pop Records, for having me. I did a show up there with uh, Eugene Merman, Kristen Schaal, Kurt Braunohler, John Benjamin, John Glazer, and uh, Kyle Dunnigan for the Sub Pop Silver Jubilee 25th Anniversary Benefit Show. And then the next day, it was just all rock and roll all day. Saw some great bands. Saw some of my favorite bands. The old Sub Pop crew. Saw Mud Honey for the first time live. Saw Built to Spill. Hung out with Jay Mascus. Don't mean to drop names, but boy, I sort of glommed on to old Jay Mascus for, uh, for a few minutes. We wandered around and watched Tad. Hadn't seen Tad play ever either. Some of these guys are old, but man, they are rocking fucking hard. An amazing, uh, it was an amazing few days and hanging out with very funny people. John Glazer, John Benjamin, two of the funniest fucking people in the world. Had a great time. And I went to Jimi Hendrix's grave, which I will I will tell you about in a second. Couple of things, couple orders of business. Today on the show, the uh, the rapper Mike Eagle joins me and educates me about rap music. I'm not uh, completely out of the loop. I'm not uh, frightened of the rap music. Uh, in my life, I have listened to rap music, but I have not kept up with rap music. I mean, there were periods where I, you know, I look at my. Um, my iTunes, I've got a, a couple of Cypress Hills in there. I've got a, a KRS-One album. I've got some uh, NWA in there. I've got Bushwick Bill and his guys in there. <laughs> Look at me trying to justify myself. I mean, I listen, but I don't know. I don't know the history, and I don't know. It was not music I grew up with. I came to it later. I enjoyed it. It was a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, what else? Yeah, well... Bad news for America uh, with the uh, Zimmerman verdict. It just, you know, at some point you have to realize that black people, brown people in general, uh, have to operate by a different set of rules uh, than white people. And that that is an established sadness and reality uh, in this country that they have to you know, walk through life both uh, af- afraid of uh, white people with guns certainly white morons with guns who shouldn't be carrying guns and have a, a sort of a fake badge and a fake uniform that enables them to think they can use that gun with impunity. And in Florida, they can. And a sort of uh, his word against my word, guy with the gun felt threatened by the guy with no gun. It's just a different set of rules. And I don't think that any uh, white person can really even begin to sort of put themselves in the place of uh, of a black person in this country or any person of uh, of color just in terms of that weird position that you know, just knowing that you have to be afraid and you also have to operate with a certain amount of sort of, uh, you know, contrition for being alive in the face of that fear, just to navigate uh, the world. It's horrible that with, with any progress this country makes, within the issue of race, it, it just becomes diminished and 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 it becomes uh, quite apparent that not that much progress has been made when things like this happen. I don't want to get too heavy-handed about it. Uh, it was just a, it, it was a tragic reminder that there are definitely two sets of rules in this country when it comes to uh, black people and white people. That being said, I was in Seattle 
and I went to uh, Jimi Hendrix's grave. I don't know what it is that gets into me. Sometimes when I'm on the road, I feel, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. It's, it's either I'm going to eat myself to death uh, with, uh, with things that I rationalize as regional cuisine, uh, or I'm going to sit in my hotel room and do nothing and masturbate and think. Uh, well, thinking is not bad and masturbating is not bad either, but it just depends, you know, which direction you take both of those things and how much you do both of those things in that, uh, decided upon direction. Uh, but sometimes I get out in the world and I, some comic had put it in my head that I should go out to Jimi Hendrix's grave. And I got it into my head that maybe that was a pilgrimage worth doing that. Maybe I should go try to glean some mystical relevance, glean some secret super guitar power out of the tomb of Jimi Hendrix. I didn't know what to expect. I'd never been out there. I, I, I was hoping it would just be an intimate situation, but they have built, a, apparently, a, it was maybe at one time just a gravestone, but now it is a you know a granite gazebo with uh, etched panels, three panels of different Hendrix poses with some of his lyrics etched into the granite. There is a, a headstone in the middle of this memorial, uh, and there are places where people can leave things on top of the stone, but it is the most outstanding grave in this, in this uh, particular town which is Renton which is just outside of uh, Seattle which is a place I've been because my ex-wife's family lived up the street from there it's weird you know you've been to a, a place a, a lot uh, when especially in Seattle when you know we could be driving out to Renton me and Nathan Smith went the guy who did the uh, original artwork for the WTF podcast is back up in Seattle he decided to give me a ride but I actually knew there was a coffee shack in the parking lot of the Safeway out there in Renton that uh, served some pretty kick-ass espresso that's the interesting thing about Seattle. One of the many interesting things is uh, you got to know a guy. Where do you get your coffee? I got a guy. He's in a shack out in Renton in the parking lot. You got to go when he's there. Phil, he's only there in the mornings. You need a guy. Yeah, for coffee. So we decided to make this pilgrimage out to Jimi Hendrix's grave. I didn't know what to expect. I just I wanted to get out and I wanted to see it. I wanted to feel it. But the problem with a large memorial or a tomb is, I don't know if this is morbid or not, but you know, when you go to a grave site, you can see where the headstone's situated. And sometimes you can even see where the, the ground itself is sort of starting to kind of indent where the casket is perhaps giving way underneath. You can get a sense of how the body is situated and you can get a sense of the reality of, of uh, you know, remains just under the ground, the proximity to those remains. Again, I don't want to be morbid, but I like knowing where it is. Yeah, I went to this memorial and it wasn't clear. Is Jimmy here? Is he under this thing? Where is he in proportion to things? I want to not, uh, I just want to know where to stand. I want to be respectful. I want to know if he's under here. I, d I did want to know that. Is his body even there? Well, I wanted to know those those practical things, but I also wanted to open my heart to have an experience at the grave of Hendrix. Why does anyone go to a grave anyways? It's about you. Am I paying my respects? No, I'm, I'm, I have some fascination with, the, with one of the great guitar heroes of our time, one of the greatest guitarists, if not the greatest guitarist, who's had a profound effect on my mind and my life, has taken me on some journeys. I guess I wanted to pay my respect, but I think you're there for the magic. I think you're there for the story. And the story that day was, I didn't know what to bring because someone reminded me on Twitter that you should bring something, leave an offering of some kind to the great man at the, at the, at the site, at the grave. What am I going to bring? Hendrix. All I could find was a gold uh, boomer button, which are rare. I didn't have a lot of them made. It was a special thing. 
So I brought uh, I brought the gold boomer button to the memorial with me. I didn't. I was just going to leave it. I figured maybe there's some sort of connection. You know, I've I've lost Boomer. He was part of my heart. We lost Jimmy. Perhaps you know Boomer and Jimmy can hook up, and maybe Boomer could you know perhaps spend some time with Jimmy, send a message to Jimmy. But that's getting a little ridiculous. I don't know. It was some circle of life thing. You know, it was closure. It was uh, Hakuna Matata. Boomer and Jimmy, man. No, is that a stretch? I just wanted to glean a feeling. I wanted to feel connected to whatever Jimi Hendrix was. Not in his music. I wanted to be next to the body. Didn't know where it was. But I did have a, a, a couple of weird moments at the grave. I, it is a functioning graveyard, a cemetery. And this memorial is obviously very popular for you know, guys to, you know, in bands to come and smoke weed or play a few tunes for Hendrix badly in the granite gazebo the memorial i'm sure that it's not it's not it's seen hundreds of vans drive up of bands that were on the road guys you know falling out of vans half drunk from the night before or that morning to come pay their respects to come hang out to come be close but then just across the way i noticed that there was an actual funeral going on there was grief real grief immediate grief Regular working people grief just across the way. People being led out of hearses, upset. Congregating under a under a, a, a covering there as they put a body into the ground. I just wonder, you know, how many regular people, funerals have been disrupted by the smell of weed or the noise of you know, band, you know, van full of dudes going, Jimmy! I wonder if someone's been just burying their Uncle Joe, who was a plumber. We're sitting there grieving as a small service went on while some moron with a guitar did his version of Little Wing badly across the way. Fly on my... Just that moment where... Everyone's looking over there like we're trying to have a funeral there. It's like, oh, man, Jimmy meant a lot to me, my sweet angel. That that memory. Do you remember that asshole at Uncle Joe's funeral? Couldn't shut up for five minutes. We're trying to put our uncle in the ground. He's got to sing a Hendrix song. Smoke a bone over there. A little respect for people burying their dead. That's the feeling I had there, which was ridiculous. It's interesting, though, you know, in thinking about race and, and you know, I'm about to talk to Mike. You know, I, I never saw, I never thought of Jimi Hendrix as black or white. He was just Jimi Hendrix. It's a, that's sort of one of those things I never really thought about, but that's the way you got to, that's the way you got to think about everybody, really. They are who they are. Not what color they are. But I do enter this conversation, you know, somewhat uh, green around uh, rap, but it's very open to learn. And, I, and I'm a fan of Mike's. He sent me some of his work. I actually, the first time, what brought him to my attention, of course, in a selfish way, was that uh, he was featured on a song of another artist, Bus Driver. Someone sent me the link to a video, and they name-dropped me. They name-checked me in the rap. And I was like, well, that's never happened before. Who's this guy? Who's this Mike Eagle fella? And we went back and forth. He sent me some music. He considers himself an alternative rapper. And uh, I didn't even know that existed. 
and uh, it was great to talk to him. I will be in Nashville, Tennessee, this week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at Zany's Comedy Club. What do you think of that? 18th, 19th, and 20th, come down. So now let's enter this. Let me play just a piece of that bus driver tune with Mike Eagle rapping about me for a second. Let's play that. No secret, I tell you I smell wiser. I got a bunch of girls pregnant because I sell diapers. And I'm a goddamn genius. The Mark Marin, a dark-skinned art baron. Smart like lucky kids that get born to smart parents. that feed them locally grown farmers market card carrots. I eat fair trade cheese and fart fairness. I go, Werner Herzog. I go, Werner Herzog. That's pretty cool, right? I never thought that would happen. I was honored. Now, let's talk to Mike Eagle. You just, uh, you know, book me. I'm just washing dishes, you know, busting sets. That's what a house husband does with the without an industry buzz. There's no forks left, and I contemplate eating with some forceps. I wish I had a Corvette like a killer rapper, because rap fables in happily iller after. They're all still a bachelor with gorilla stature, but there's no rat's head coat to liver cancer. No clogged drains of broken dog chains. No fog rain of blacked out ball games. I waited all day till the time was right. I let the sun fade, not when it's shining bright. So, all right, Mike Eagle. That's the, that's the real name? Michael Eagle is my given name. Eagle. Mm-hmm. Where'd that come from? Uh, supposedly some great-grandparent was uh, full-blooded something or other. Oh, from really? Michigan, yeah. From Michigan? Yeah. I just yeah. talked to another guy who grew up in Michigan. Well, I, I grew up in Chicago. My dad grew up in Michigan. Michigan. Mm-hmm. Eagle. Yep. You're talking, you're saying that there's some uh, some uh, uh, indigenous American back there yeah okay. um, on both sides apparently so you got yeah. some american indian quite a bit i, I think i actually <laughs> messed up i did I, you know i realized i could have went to college probably very for free really yeah but i paid and i'm still paying because um, there's no retroactive process i don't know like- i'm thinking i'm wondering if i can get like a some grad school money somehow now that it's occurred to me that there's so much out there yeah the, you know? get the genie out get the chart you right. gotta you know they, go to the the website with the thing you punch in your name and you get everybody. You know what? I'll do it. I'll, I'll make a note right now. This has to happen. I need another degree are, are you, for free. What's for your, free this time. What's your What's your degree in? Psychology. I have a bachelor's in psychology. Oh yeah. yeah. So what was a What was the decision behind that? Um, I just had a psychology class in high school that it was like the best thing ever. But it's mostly because the guy showed us. Uh, he showed us one floor of the cuckoo's nest in class. That's good, right? Yeah, so it like broke my head open, and then you know that was the thing for me. What was it about that movie that broke your head open? Um, because that's a, it it's a that lot movie? of levels. There's a lot of levels. But you know, I, honestly, I think it was it was a cinematic experience more than anything, more than any of the themes in the movie. I think I just hadn't really seen a movie that good yet. Yeah, as a teenager, so <laughs> kind of just like wow. There's something you know? about seeing movies in college or high school yeah. where you're like, well, this is what, what was the context? Um, I think they were just. I think he was. I think the excuse he gave us is that he wanted to show how treatment used to be, uh-huh. and how it was. Um, you know, so much of it was about lobotomy and shock treatment and all. Oh, that. really? Yeah, that was the angle that he was showing. But I think he just wanted to show it to us because he was that kind of cool guy. He was a oh, like cool young. Oh, thank guy. God for yeah. the cool young teachers. For real, huh? for what real. what what was the class? It was a psychology class in high in school. high school. Yeah. This is like a psychology class. And you grew up in uh, Chicago. Yes, Chicago. Lay that out for me. What does that look like? 
Uh, it's weird, man, because Chicago is like a super segregated city still to this day. I, I've talked to people about yeah, it, about the segregation. It's crazy because it, 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 you know, it does something to you mentally, I yeah. think, too. Like a lot of people just uh, kind of stay in their own relative zones and don't right. usually cross over. I mean, now uh, things are so crazy there. Now I grew up on the south side. But a lot of people that I even grew up with, they move north and won't even visit south now, just, you know, just how violent things are. So you're and, saying you know, African-Americans who yeah. left the south mm-hmm. side now are afraid of yeah. what's going on there? Because it's, uh, well, recently there is, the, the shootings are insane, yeah. generally, yeah. more so than other places. I mean, and it's, yeah, it's this weekend, uh, any warm weekend, it'd be like 50 murders. That's it's, murder season? Yeah, Just a, when, when the weather gets warm, you're yeah. like, all right, well, we better not drive down. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's... <laughs> For, but you grew up in that? Well, you know, it wasn't quite like that then. Uh, I grew up- How in old the, are you? I'm, I'll be 33 in November. Okay. You're young. I, am, am I? Yes, sir. Well, you know, we're, we're going to have a rap conversation, so everything's everything is, uh, <laughs> skewed in terms of age then. Is it? Oh, yeah. Rap is a young man's game. Is yeah. it? Oh, of course. But they say that about a lot of things. I don't know. It's so, it's so um, image-centered That's that right. I feel like more than a, a, other things, it's- but I, I, from the music you sent me, uh-huh. which you had to send me. I did. <laughs> Absolutely did. Because <laughs> it wasn't, uh, you know. It wasn't it, on your radar. It, well, it wasn't until, you know, I someone showed me the link of that song. Do you call, yeah, the, the the rap that you did that that dropped my name in my yeah, podcast. And what was that called? Uh, Werner Herzog. Was right, name. Werner yeah. Herzog. Yeah. And I was like, wow. I like When I saw that, I'm like, I have done something. Yes, you have I, arrived. I've arrived somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in, 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 in a culture uh, that, that I feel alienated from. There's somebody that recognizes what I do. Of course. But it, no, it was very flattering, and I was excited about it. But you then, got a lot of rap fans, man. I do? A lot of rapper fans. Really? Seriously. This is going to be the best conversation I've ever had. It's all I've ever wanted. I, this will probably be the last, the last podcast I do. Mike. Yes. <laughs> you, yes. You're closing the door on WTF I've succeeded rappers like me yes and I'm not even Neil Brennan or Moshe Kasher I don't even pretend to be black and rappers like me they probably like you more than both of those guys honestly <laughs> I'm to be honest. <laughs> candid yes. you're to be candid I always wondered what what is the now obviously I'm digressing but it's better off what is the reaction to that uh, to the phenomenon of of you know insane almost sort of obsessive white craving hmm. to uh, to sort of be to to have cred with uh, with with rap culture or black people in general. You know, it's it's tough for me. Um, there's a lot of um, I don't know. It's so weird, especially yeah. like in this indie thing. It's it's a lot of it is like kind of weirdly journalist powered. So it's really strange. So that rock journalist power, exactly. Um, Nerd journalist exactly, power, exactly, exactly. And so you know, a lot of that is just embedded in how people talk about things. A lot and but of- and also you're at you're 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 in a a a sort of uh, offshoot form of of what is culturally understood as rap, right? That the idea of alternative rap. Let's 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 come around to that. Let's go back to uh, where were we? Chicago, yeah. And what were we doing? We were growing up in oh, the good. South Side. We're growing up in South Side of Chicago. Yeah, during, during the uh, the crack era, it's probably the best way to categorize it. When you were younger. Yeah. And um, I lived like blocks away from like, you know, uh, a big group of projects. Um, yeah. And uh, I live with my grandparents because um, my mom had some issues. Yeah. Um, what, what kind of issues? 
she she was was uh she was a wild person as a as a as a young lady. She was she did a lot of stuff. And and quite a resume. Yeah, and she and she had to go away for a while. Actually, she had to she had to take a little vacation. Yeah, on on the on the government's bill. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, How long was little, that vacation? vacation? A year. Uh-huh. And she yeah. came out and yeah. you guys talk or Yeah, yeah, we're um we're still a, you know, pretty pretty uh close family unit um you got brothers yeah, and that sisters was where, yeah i have, I have uh, one of each both younger and the in the pop uh, my dad's always lived in california uh, they were like my, my parents were like never married uh-huh so um so it was a stopover situation three times and he, just, <laughs> he, he, came, he came through town three times with it. you know i think they both used to travel like they worked for this company that uh they were like basically traveling salespeople, uh-huh. and uh, you know I don't know where the tryst occurred. I, I actually heard I might I was very close to being born in California, so I don't even know. Yeah, well, like I have like, a lot of unanswered questions. <laughs> I might go home and make some phone calls <laughs> yeah. after this. I, I, well, I'm glad I inspired you yes. to do that. I yes. thought maybe you do that on your own, yeah. but no, no, no. It's just, all it's all going to help with their genealogy chart too. All yeah, it, it's all yeah, going to work together. You're going to have to start there. Exactly. <laughs> I'm going to get free college money and find myself all in one evening. <laughs> oh, man. We're helping each other. It's going to be incredible. So, okay. So, you were growing up outside the projects at your grandma's house, uh-huh. and it's uh, set the stage. What, were you, what are you walking by? What's coming into your head? <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it was in school. I mean, because basically the school that I went to, the grade school that I went to, um, all of the kids were from the surrounding project buildings. Right. So, I mean, the element was all in there, like, you know, I can remember a kid, like, falling out in class in third grade. He had od'd on cocaine third grade third grade how the hell does that happen i guess his older brother was a dealer and, okay and either either they were sharing it or yeah. he was sneaking it or whatever right, right. But he passed out and hits his head on the wall in class and then for the rest of the, the week basically we're just talking about drugs everything is uh and that kid yeah basically did he come back to no class? he did not come back to class he did not never no, no not that i saw not in my class anyway he, hopefully he went to somebody's class somewhere <laughs> yeah hopefully he no made it through that 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 drug problem. Yes. Is there a rehab for third graders who are on coke? I didn't even know. You know what? It's probably named after him now. If there is, <laughs> he was the. Uh... So that was the that was the environment. Now, when when I okay, look, I'll be honest with you. Is this is what I know about rap? Okay. Oh, let's just just lay it out. Let's just you, get, it, you, just get it out there. I'm gonna, I'm going to try to get it out there without being embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> and and I'll and I'll just be honest with you. I lived with some dudes back in the, uh, late, let's see, like late 80s who were very into NWA. Okay. They, there was an album there. These are white guys. And by the way, that was my first question is, are these white people? Yes, they yes. are white people listening to NWA, knowing all the lyrics. Now, wh- where is this? This was in California. Okay. Uh, these guys were in show business. They were okay. struggling. This was uh, actually a gentleman named Pete Berg who okay. uh, went on to direct uh, that movie with... Uh, with Will Smith as the superhero. Uh, he directed that. He directed Friday Night Lights. He uh, He's a big movie director, this gentleman, Pete Berg. A good guy. Uh, liked NWA, and when I listened to it a lot, they'd wake me up oh, with fun. NWA. Yeah. Fun. Straight so, out of Compton in the morning. That's How right. That's it? what it was. That's yes. what it was. And then uh, and then somehow or another, so I had the NWA record, and then I found uh, Bushwick Bill interesting because he was small and yes. seemed angry about things. So Absolutely. I had I had a couple of those I records. Not, yeah, I've I've had some obsessions like that, especially as a young rap fan. Okay, like, yeah, guy looks weird. I'm gonna see what he's about. Sure, I, weird looking dudes who are confident about it. You got to. He had a video where at least one time, and I feel like maybe twice. Yeah. 
he jumped on top of a car mm -hmm. in order to jump punch somebody. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't, I mean. It's, it's good. It's theatrics. It's, it's fantastic. Funny. And yeah. it's him knowing that how incredible it would look for him to do this. So, like, he makes that, like, his special Is he still move. alive, that guy? Yeah, they just reunited. Oh, really? Yeah, they just, they performed at South by Southwest. Now, okay, so the, like, the, the Run DMC, Aerosmith, Matrix thing, I not didn't do nothing for me. And then uh, Run DMC in general, I knew them, but, you no, know, it was a little before something. I don't know what happened. I interviewed one of them. From Run DMC? Yeah, uh, the one who's uh, probably Daryl, huh? Yeah, 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 DMC. Yeah, 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 he's a good guy. Yeah. All right, so then we move on to Cypress Hill. Two okay. of those records, right. two CDs. Listen to them a lot. Okay. Smoking a lot of weed. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes. Goes uh, with the culture. Then there's a then there's a big gap. Uh, yeah. I missed the whole Biggie, Tupac. I missed all of that. Mm -hmm. That that's not in my uh, my my rap vocabulary. Then at some point, uh, obviously much later. Kanye West got a few of those records. Okay, got Jay Z's Black record. I got that one. Yeah, like that that's record. A good record. Uh, I got a Pharrell record. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but I had that. Uh, was every time I listen to rap, I like. Here's one thing about me is that I'm not a huge lyric guy. Uh -huh. Like I listen to music. If the music moves me, I'm good. Sometimes I, I listen to the lyrics. Sometimes I don't. there's something about rap that requires a lot of attention. Absolutely. That that when I do it, I'm like, wow, this is this fucking is uh, insanely uh, skillful and, and lyrical, and there are stories, and it's fun, and it's fucking heavy, mm -hmm. and then I'm exhausted. So I that's understand. one song in. I understand. I'm, I'm tired. I'm I. You know, I understand. I mean, it's it's information dense. It, that's right. You know, you that's really right. do have to process while you're listening. It's not a it's and not a casual listen. And that's always what has impressed me, even with people that just freestyle as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I'm like, holy fuck, you know. And then you know, there, there were awkward attempts, but there was right. never anything on stage. Okay. You know, but just perhaps that maybe there's a pace I could pick up, and, and but uh, I can't. So. These are my experiences. There's probably a few more in there, mm -hmm, but I'm, mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. want you to know what you're dealing with. No, I, I'm glad. To and you're know. gonna have to walk me through to know, this shit. I, I know what kind of vocabulary I think to use. From no, I, I'm, I'm happy if you use words and phrases that are new to me. <laughs> I will try to stop you and go. Can you go back? I'll be that guy. I'm not ashamed. That's cool. That's super. All right. Cool. So now you, as a guy who you, you're, in, you go to high school. You're, you're, you're into psychology. So. I'm assuming mm -hmm. that that rap was part of your life early on, but I don't know what your musical influence is. You know like. what? Uh, the first person to play rap for me was my mother. She played an Easy E tape when I got in her car one so day. So we share that. There you go. There you go. But <laughs> yeah. I think I was like seven, mm -hmm. and uh, I get in her car. She's driving like a two-door Nissan or something, yeah. and and it's something about you know telling some girl to suck his dick, and I'm like. What is this? Yeah. I'm like just giggling to myself. Like, I'm, I'm not seven. supposed to be hearing these yeah. filthy words, but yeah. it's great. Um, and so you know, I heard a lot of the gangster stuff first. I have an older stepsister who put me on to a lot of stuff too. So uh, she ended up getting me into this um, a tribe called Quest. I don't know if you ever heard of Tribe right? Called Quest. So they, so the difference between that and and gangster up for you was what? what, what the music. You... It was the music. Um, these guys were using um. A lot of jazz stuff they were sampling, like really interesting. And I ended up, you know, digging later and finding out who these players were that they were uh, sampling. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of, you know, real jazz greats and real funky abstract jazz fusion stuff that right. they were sampling. And that kind of called to me more because I'm, I'm actually a lot like you in the sense that I tend to listen to music first. Yeah. And, it's you know, I tell people this and they're always surprised at me being a rapper. But um, as a listener, as a consumer of music, the music always strikes me first. Right. Um 
And if I want to, I can focus in and try to, you know, if I'm checking out a rapper, I can just check out what he's doing. But I'm a beat music guy first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, a lot of the gangster stuff was just super aggressive and hard, even in terms of the music. So, you know, even if I thought it was cool or cute or funny or whatever, it didn't uh, strike me the same way that A Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, you know, Prince Paul was the guy who was, you know, uh, structuring a lot of their sound and aesthetic. I thought their aesthetic was really awesome, too. It was... Uh, Kind of the pro-black Kente cloth yeah. Africa medallion. Thing. I uh, I had a Kente cloth scarf. Stop it! I'm serious. Pictures or it didn't happen. There is a picture of me and Louis C.K. in uh, 1989. <laughs> Jesus Christ. 1989. Oh yes. That one that's going around the internet of the two of us in 1989. I'm wearing a black leather jacket, Kente cloth scarf. I am putting that on my to-do list. I I'm had no. I'll show it to you before you leave. Tight. I It was in New York. I was living in New York. I had no idea what Kente cloth. I actually bought a medallion with Africa. Africa on it yes. with those ki- with the colors on it <laughs> yes. only because I thought that looks cool. I wow. had no idea. I didn't even know what Kwanzaa was. Dude, you were, we were way more hip hop than me, dude. Uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, <laughs> it, was, it was just me being vain. I'm like, that's an interesting. My girl, I remember my girlfriend worked at a, a, a sort of world fashion kind of boutique. Okay, okay, okay. And they had the kente cloth, and it was like, this is real kente cloth. I'm like, well, if it's real shit and it has all these pretty colors, I'm I'm on it. Tight. And I had no idea. <laughs> I'll show you that picture. No, that's I swear amazing. to fucking God. All right. So okay. But yeah. So, so I'm into that aesthetic. I'm in. I'm into the kente cloth. See, we have a lot of like, man. It's getting there. It's you getting were, there. Yeah. You know, <laughs> similar experience yeah. here, but um. Yeah, so, and I kind of find my place in their aesthetic. Um, and so I was into a lot of Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, brand Nubian. This kinda. is be- when you were in uh, before in high school? Or? This is this is grade school stuff. Oh, okay. Um, now, when I got to high school, and even starting in like seventh or eighth grade, I really, really got into like alternative rock, like really hard. Yeah. Because this is what happened, right? So, like I said, my grandmother's... Uh, she lives in an apartment too, but it's kind of away from the projects. It's a little insulated. Like it's kind of, this building is basically full of old people. Yeah. And so it's insular and it's very safe. Yeah. Um, But like I said, surrounding is a lot of weird kinds of danger. Yeah. Because we're in the crack era. Like it's happening out in the streets. Like there's gunshots. Zombies. Yeah. It's, it's going down. Yeah. And, uh, and so I was left, you know, at home with cable TV a lot. Right. And so. I started consuming MTV, right? Like really consuming MTV. Um, when they really got into doing their different alternative shows, uh, 120 minutes, they had like this alternative nation show or oh, yeah, something yeah. like that. Yeah, was I used like Kurt Loder or somebody or no, or no Kennedy, I, I think. Oh, Kennedy. Kennedy. Yeah. yeah, I had a crush on Kennedy, man. Sure, you did. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you probably could have. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think she's up in Seattle still. I don't know. She no, was I'll look right. her up. I hear yeah. she's just like a Republican or something, ain't she? Something. I but, but I, I just thought that. she was cute. Sure, cute and smart. My and first, like, my first computer. Um, I had like a twenty four hundred baud modem. Mm-hmm. I downloaded a JPEG of her. It took yeah. me like an hour. It's great. <laughs> it was great. I'm sure she'd be happy to hear that. Oh man, just waiting, just seeing the, <laughs> the lines go across yes. like that. There's the top of it's her like, glasses. Oh, oh, is that a thigh? And, you know, oh, a awesome. body shot. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, she was like behind a stairwell. Or sure. Something. It was okay, weird. so you're watching Alternative Nation with Kennedy, and I'm down, just downloading, like, just I don't know. There was a lot of weird stuff in that era. So I really actually got into uh, They Might Be Giants. Well, that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's like, that's my favorite band like, sure, to this sure. day. Like, you know, they just dropped a record. So I'm playing that nonstop. Really? And so uh, a lot of my musical aesthetic just came from how adventurous they were. Like, I would listen to Flood and Lincoln. I had I had one tape, 
a tape that was Flood on one side and Lincoln on the other side. And all this yeah. is constantly. Really? Constantly. So they might be giants. And then King Missile, you familiar with them? Sure. I used to love King Missile. Uh, Jesus is way cool. Yes. I know that guy. Yes, John S. Hall. John S. Hall is uh, he's a lawyer or an agent now. I, uh, he was he was doing law. I think he okay. That's right. Agent, you know, I, I kind of know that guy. And, and that first King Missile album was great. Was great. What were the other songs on there? That you mean guy, like, is it mystical shit or yeah, Fluting mystical on the shit? Hump? Okay, mystical shit had that was produced by Kramer. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I listened to the shit out of that. Fish record. that played the ponies and uh, heavy holy man. Yeah, yeah, take yeah. Take stuff from work, all of that. It, it had a real you know, kind of funny mm-hmm. angle, but there it was also kind of psychedelic. Yeah, in a way. yeah, because yeah. the music was crazy. His writing was just what, always. What was brilliant. the uh, the the penis song? Wasn't there a uh, detachable penis? Detachable penis. That was, was like the, their hit, yeah. the big novelty hit, which go. I'm sure. College radio. No, yeah. I, I, they just did an article on Spin about them talking about that, and it's so funny because they all like hated it. But right, but of that was it. Smash. Sure, sure, yeah. Okay. So yeah, you know, um, like I said, that aesthetic artistically, just how weird and explorative it was with language, and you know, and especially with King Missile, and then on the other side, they might be giants as being these musical weirdos with accordions and glockenspiels and and just two shit. of them too yeah. and, and with a yeah. lot of momentum exactly. exactly did you do the um the uh, ween thing where you oh, i love ween <laughs> i love I, I listened to your interview with that was tricky for me oh yeah because they had just broke up or well he he wasn't saying that but he didn't want to talk about that they didn't announce it until okay. later uh <laughs> and you know that's one of those situations that i get into a musician sometimes where it's like I want to, you know, have a conversation, but I don't know that whole catalog. Right, right. I have a sense of who they are. Right. I've listened to a couple of their records, mm-hmm. but I didn't completely nerd out on the entire. Right. Yeah, but but he was a good guy, and I thought what was interesting about that was, you know, that people get older, man. Yeah, and 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 you know what a musician does, you know, after they've arced for what they've known mm-hmm. to do. You know, the idea that he wants to get into animation. I thought that was kind of nice. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, and and it's definitely I could see, you know them or somebody like primus like not kind of wanting to be trapped into kind of this this silly angle you're primus people, guy too yeah i love primus you seem to like the guys that have a, a fairly you know uh, you know insanely musical but somewhat of a tongue-in-cheek approach yeah to frank zappa you know, zappa. huge zappa fan i just listened huge. to zappa yesterday which which like, album later you, okay. if you're a zappa fan you'd be like oh joe's garage seriously wait but a minute it, joe's garage that's the one where he's like fucking a vacuum cleaner or some shit uh, Joe's Garage was a double there was a Joe's Garage 1 and Joe's Garage 2 it sort of had a narrative about right. the band about like the band that started in Joe's Garage and then right, got right, on right. the road I was listening to the song Crew Slut okay yeah okay. yeah you okay. be a crew slut yeah no I, li- I, li- I think I like that record I, if it's the one I'm thinking of well what's your Zappa experience you go way back or what yeah I like uh, We're Only In It For The Money is the one <laughs> I always come back to but I'm a huge Zappa fan I just really like Somebody like him who was uh who's just went as far as he did to learn everything about like the technical aspects of music. Yeah. But then to be that goddamn silly and irreverent. Well, also like, drawing I, a lot from doo-wop. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the yeah. dude was like sort of founded in that kind yeah. of like that 50s thing. That Ruben and the Jets record? It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. So, so that was your shit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Still is. It still is. It still is. You're like you're listening to the new They Might Be Giants. Yes, uh, they might. I'm listening to They Might Be Giants, and I'm listening to Bowie's new record. Kind of like back I haven't and listened forth to right that now. yet. It's 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 good, but it's mixed. It's mixed for old people. Oh really? If you understand what I'm saying? Was like, it was it? It was Tony Visconti, right? The, the guy he had done. Uh, like what was the other? I just listened to a Bowie album. He had done a couple other Bowie albums. Right. I had read that it's mixed eighty style. Yeah. I don't even. Yeah, I guess you could call it 80s. To me, it just seemed like it's mixed super safe. Uh-huh. Um, 
I'm just, I'm a huge Bowie fan. Bowie's like one of my top five. What well, were people. you? You know, in high school, did this make you unusual? Well, you know what? It made me unusual in 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 grade school because um, I, I honestly I used to listen to a lot of like like I said I was listening to They Might Be Giants. Yeah, and. Okay, around the fifth grade, I got transferred to like a white school, yeah. like a smart kid school yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I had to go across town. And um, all of the young white kids are listening to nothing but rap music. Yeah. Nothing but rap music. Yeah. And so if anybody would ask me what I was listening to, I would lie. Yeah. I would say I was listening to something yeah. rap oriented. Right. And sometimes I would listen to those things, but most of the time I was listening at that time to They Might Be Giants or Frank Black's second solo record, right. Teenager of the Year. Yeah, 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 it's great. It's playing it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Pixies too? Yeah. Like- you know, I ended up getting into the Pixies later, right. and I love them, but um, that Frank Black song, Headache, yeah. was like my anthem. Uh-huh. Yeah, that was like... That- and so you did catch some flack, or you felt uncomfortable? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I got clowned. I got clowned. Like, girls used to talk shit about... Because, I don't know, I just had a, I had a whole thing anyway, because, like, I'd never really been around white people, you know, um, and when you so, went to the school, what grade yeah. are we talking? Fifth grade, I think, is when I transferred. And these are like smart white kids too. And so there's this like advanced political thing going yeah. on that yeah. I didn't, I didn't really know. So they how to find shit? my my place in, oh, all right. or like you know, like oh, the class uh, that these were probably rich kids. Yeah, well, yeah, well, definitely more well off than me. And I came to figure out later that that's really what the problem was: is that I was poor. And I didn't really understand a lot of the frame of reference for shit that they were into. And I was just always trying to fit in. Just being a young kid, I'm always trying to fit in and never really finding my place. So, well, What was the experience like, though, as a, as a black kid, you know, dealing with that shit, right, you know, coming at you? What, did you feel that there was an expectation on their part? Or were you too young still? Um, I don't know if there was an expectation, but there was definitely... Like they sensed me being awkward yeah. and would pounce on it. You know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. so I had to really kind of figure it out. How would they quick. pounce on it? What do you mean? Um, <laughs> there, you know, they there were there were some smart kids, smart mouths. Um, yeah, to really, yeah. you know, tease heavy. It was a right. lot of teasing. Right, you know, right. Um, and you know, and I, I guess like bullying today is crazy or whatever. But like, you know, it was a lot of teasing. Uh, uh there's this one time. Uh, you remember the logo the iconography for jurassic park with the dinosaur yeah, yeah 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 this one kid had made a drawing of me in in the logo so it was like a caricature of a little black kid with a little afro and glasses or whatever and uh he wrote brown acid mike and that was like the you know at that time you would have called it the meme that was like the meme of the week you know what i mean it was different people drawing it and and trying to get me to react emotionally in class so that I would get in trouble. That is some very diligent and time-consuming. Creative... <laughs> yeah, well, yes, and that's what I mean. Yeah. Like these kids were advanced, and so it's, it sort of undermines the racism of it, the of almost. This... <laughs> it's so developed. It's so highly advanced. You know but what I mean? You got to give the guy credit for oh, the creativity. No, I, I didn't. I didn't. And, and the thing was, I still didn't even take it that personally because yeah. there were kids who get it way worse than me. Yeah, and. You know, in me trying to find my place, sometimes I'd pick on other kids too. You know, it was just you know there right. was just a toxic kind of environment, and we were all just in it. But, being no, but kids that, not, dumb. it didn't sound doesn't sound like toxic hatred. Just sort no, of, yeah, not hatred. Yeah, not hatred. Just uh, making light. Yeah, it's kids, of this kids situation. being fucked up. Man. Yeah, 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 kids yeah, being yeah. Fucked up. Yeah. yeah, and so okay, so you live with that, and you're kind of like a alt music nerd. Yeah, at you know, in not fucking even fucking eleven or twelve and shit. Yeah. 
And so what was the evolution? Where did you, like when did you start to shift into realizing that uh, you were going to sort of, you know, claim your identity musically in the way you did? High school, um, I read this book by this guy named uh, William Upsky Wimsat. He's a Chicago guy as well. He was going on to write some political books that are kind of famous. Uh, like No More Prisons, you ever heard of that book? Yeah. Yeah, so Upsky wrote this book called Bomb the Suburbs. Um and bomb in the sense of graffiti bombing. Mm-hmm. And so, and he was a Chicago guy from, you know, a lot of the same neighborhoods or they were mentioned in the book as, as you know, where I grew up. Was he a sociologist or what was he? Um, at that time, he was just a graffiti writer who knew how to write. Right. Um, and so that book just kind of outlined these four arts of hip hop. It's graffiti, rapping, breakdancing and DJing in such detail and personal experience that it really just made me want to start doing all of those things. Um, I had uh, kind of started hanging out with some hip hop kids and really kind of jumped back into the music around like 94. So this is when um, A Tribe Called Quest releases this album, Midnight Marauders. This is kind of when Wu-Tang happens. Uh, I, I really start to get back into rap. And, um, and in the community that's based around these four arts in Chicago, these, these hip hop arts, I just completely dive into that. And so... I'm doing graffiti, I'm breakdancing, we're freestyling, like, and I'm just completely in it. And, was there uh, any crunking? No, that was just L.A. Oh, damn. It's L.A. only. That's that's kind of scary. Crunking? Yeah. That's yeah, silly. No, it's silly, but, like, the movements are kind of... <laughs> little herky-jerky. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they make me a little, you know, like, like there's part of me that's like, I want to do that. I think I'm looking yeah, at you I, right I, now. I'm thinking I'm it, looks like, little, it, it looks like you should try it. A little, I should I crunk? Think, I think you should watch a YouTube video. <laughs> I'm sure there's Is many there a, how-tos. How-to crunk? Yes. Yeah. And you should post it to YouTube after you do it. Yeah, you're just trying to, yeah, I, I see what you're doing here. I'm trying yeah. to get your, uh, get you more, I'm trying to get you viral. Okay. More yeah. viral, because you're already viral. The Marin crunk video? You yes. That's going to, that's going to. I'm do sure it? it is. I'm certain of it. I will edit it, damn it. I so by that time, though, breakdancing, that's already a resurgence of breakdancing, yes. correct? That's already sort yes. of like, hey, kids used to do this with the big radios, and now we're going to bring it back out of uh, tradition. Right. Respect. But, but, you know, it was part of this lineage of people who had never stopped. So there were older kids and older adults who were teaching us. And, and what was it? What was it? These four, the the four, uh, uh, the graffiti, you, graffiti, rap, uh, DJing, DJing, and breakdance, and breakdance. So mm-hmm. that so that was the thing. Was and there it. was a scene. Mm-hmm. And where was that? Uh, Chicago, South Side, once again. Uh, but in the couple, like particular neighborhoods, Hyde Park and Kenwood is kind of where we all used to get up and uh, practice. We had right. this place we go called the the Point, which is like this. Uh, park center that's at this lighthouse on the lake and we would all just get together and practice break and show each other our graffiti books we'd cipher you know freestyle yeah you know just for hours this is what we did just, you did that was your day that, well on the weekend tu- no that was tuesday and thursday afternoon uh-huh but how many kids day. are we talking well it could be 50 kids in there um my crew i rolled with in high school that all of us were kind of doing this together there was yeah. like five of us yeah and so even when we weren't going to the point yeah we're on a train rapping yeah. We're riding the train to the end where everybody gets off and bombing the shit out of the train. Like we're we're just doing that shit all the time. What like, was your graffiti tag? Drone, D R O N E. Yeah. And you were good? No, it's pretty terrible. Yeah, it's awful. Hear, anyone get busted? <laughs> everybody but me. 
<laughs> yeah, so that's what I keep. Everybody but me. Yeah. yeah. Like, it was like this week, like, everybody kept getting arrested. And I was like, you know what? I should probably stop doing this. Yeah. Because so you, you. my mom might not bail me out. I'm not I'm not certain how that would go. She's got her own problem. She does. Exactly. <laughs> like, graffiti, what? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you lightweight. <laughs> right. You're going to do your time. Exactly. <laughs> You're going to spend your night. That could certainly be how that <laughs> have went. And, and that's honestly, that is why I stopped. Out of fear. Yes, that's I why did not, I was not ready to get arrested for my little whack tag. Like it wasn't yeah. good enough. You to know go what to happened jail there? For. You know what happened there? The law worked. It did. <laughs> good for you. It did. <laughs> not a bad law necessarily. No, it's cool. Yeah, maybe you could do it on paper. You know, and, and I yeah. did. I did. <laughs> but did? really, what I used to do my my thing was to scratch up bus windows with my tag. You were that guy. I was that guy. You're doing the deep damage. I'm st- you can't clean that off. I'm still up in some places in Chicago to this day. <laughs> yeah. Like some train station windows that they never changed, I'm still up. You still there? Still there. But do people know you? I mean, the yeah. 12 <laughs> people who are around then, yeah. <laughs> that, that were in that crew? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, And you're all in your 30s now. I'm like, exactly. oh, look at that. Exactly. Remember? So, uh, all right. So that's uh, that's high school. Yeah. And you weren't recording at all. No, we were just freestyling. That's all we did was freestyling. Now, was there a, like is there a trick to that, or we was it just was there like I mean I, I guess what I'm asking like you know as a guy who does comedy, mm-hmm. you just watch and you learn and you listen, and in like when you how much of freestyle is actually freestyle for real? Uh, most of it, and uh, and what we did and what especially happened out here in L.A. There was is really freestyle heavy place that we're in it's not like an improv comic that's got a different audience and he just does the same no again no no i mean there are things that we have called crutches so yeah. sometimes you might half a bar might be this kind of thing you always go back to right right like a hook yeah yeah you know um for the most part the the goal is to be completely improvisational all the time as as much as possible and so when me and my friends started, what we would do is we would all get on the phone three-way. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes it would be five of us on a call. No beat. We would just rap. And we were all awful. We would just do it and just keep encouraging each you're other all in to each keep other, going. You're at home? Yeah, we're all in different houses <laughs> rapping on the phone. I and mean, this is when we first started. We were really bad. <laughs> we were really, really bad. Not You weren't even good enough to maybe do it. In, uh, well, know, we well, did that, too. Right. We did that. But, you know, we ended up, we had to go home. You know, street yeah. lights are on. It's time to go home. We so still want to rap. excited about it. Oh, my God. And you're so like, excited. let's do it. Let's get on the phone and continue. So this. excited. We were so bad. We were so bad when we started. Really? It was horrible. Well, Everybody's normal. bad. Yeah. Sure. Because you, what are you, like 14? I think I was 16. Uh huh. I think I was 16. Yeah. On the phone, yeah. rapping with five guys yeah. on a conference on, call. On a cordless phone with a long antenna. So does that work? Is it it's sort of like you just pick up the riff where the next dude where. We try to. And that's what, it's almost like an improv game. It is exactly like that. Mm hmm. So when you get to. Uh, so you graduate. Mm hmm. And you're gonna go to college. Yep. And you don't are you are you pursuing it? No. It's just what it's just it's a cultural thing. It's you hang it's, out. it's a hobby, but it's also like my identity at right. that point is I'm one of the hip hop guys. Yeah. And what that meant is not just you listen to hip hop, that means you actually do these activities. Do you look back on hair decisions or clothing decisions from the time with any regret? <laughs> oh yeah, like yesterday even. I mean like <laughs> it's, yeah, no, you- it's it's all it's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah? Yeah. So when you got to college, what was the plan then if this um, was a hobby? Yeah, uh, psychology to get the degree, um go to grad school and do I was going to be a counseling psychologist. For who? For probably young black children with <laughs> identity issues, most likely, I imagine. A lot of like, it's okay to like Bowie. Yeah. Like who? Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I didn't well, even say that. Yeah. Like, what? Who are yeah. the white people listening to? <laughs> yeah. That was the plan? That was it. 
That was it. It was gonna, that's a noble purpose. It was cool, uh, and I was really into it. Um, you wanted to do clinical psych on, on a, either a social work level or, or a community level. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was the goal. And and you you you've graduated from college. Yeah, with uh, Southern Illinois in. University. And what was the experience of college like? Did, did things change then? Was that what, were you uh, again in a white school or no? It was a white school, but it, it was like twenty two thousand students total. And Big like two thousand black though, so we were like a black school inside of a white school. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was a lot of varied experiences i think you just explained the entire black experience of everything how about it yes we were breaking rocks here this is awesome it's just a a, there were some black people surrounded (laughs) by white people or the other story is there's some black people way over here right and there's the white people over over on this side that's it that's all that's the way it breaks down everywhere all the time (laughs) it's weird right well i mean i I don't know it's a bigger issue i don't think we can tackle it but i think (laughs) Quite honestly, the most segregated city I've ever been in is Boston. Boston. You know, I've, I haven't experienced a lot of Boston. I've only been there for shows, so I haven't really... But literally, we're. Bo- I lived there for on and off for a long time, okay. and it, it's one of those situations where you're like, wait, no, where are they? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, this is weird. It's a city. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're... Yeah. You, see, a- you know, I could see somebody having a very similar experience in Chicago, because you would only... I could see somebody only going on the north side, just only being there and never seeing the west side or the south side and, and, and having the same kind of experience. Like, where, where are all the, the well, colored folks? But I think in, you know, in the northern United States in general that, you, you know, they're in New York. Yeah. But outside of that, I don't know what you would. I mean, and that's relatively you know, integrated in a real yeah. way because the jobs demand it. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, you know, it's it's all in the South. It's not that those are oddly where where segregation started. They're right. more integrated. Yeah, I don't know. Does that mean anything? I don't know. I mean, it sounds industrial. It sounds like it's some type of industrial issue. In yeah, yeah. I, I didn't mean to make this about this, <laughs> but it is right, what though. it's about. It's okay. It's all good. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not taking any hits here. I'm handling this well. You're a rap guy. I is. So, as a rap dude. Now, let's get back around to this idea that, because you said something. Now, I didn't even know before you you talked to me or before we exchanged emails that, and it makes perfect sense, that there is an alternative rap community yeah. and it's that a, you call yourself that. There's, when an, did indie, that, there's an indie, every, any, every entertainment, I feel like. But when did that start? I mean, that, was that something that when you came, well, let's get back to college. So you graduate college, you got your psych degree, yeah. you're ready to help uh, you know, troubled uh, black kids with their identity issues yeah. and say that they don't have to, you don't have to do that because that guy's going to get hurt. All of that. <laughs> I was going to yeah. do it all. Yeah. And then what changes? Um. I, okay. So up until I say I started rapping in 96, right? Yeah. I had my first real show, like a rap show. Somebody paid me to rap. After college? No, it was like in 2001. But, you, but you're still a hobbyist. How'd that come up? Was it, I mean... Because people used to like having me at their shows to freestyle because I was kind of good at it. So that's so, the interesting thing about the rap world that I don't get is that like, how come there's 90 guys on stage? <laughs> <laughs> what what is that guy doing asking the tough questions here Mark. um what's that guy doing is he just there to say that one thing you know so it, yeah yeah you know I, i've never really been into that myself but you know what i'm talking crew, about but yeah i mean it's part of it because everybody's got a crew or a movement or a family or a tribe you right. know what i mean and and you know still you know we do it like the the label that I represent now, Hellfire Club out here. We yeah. you know, we we do that sometimes. Like we'll do like an organized, like we're all going to be on stage 
while our guy raps here right. because it's good for us to occasionally show that we're part of something you know um, yeah. we're all kind of rugged individualists anyway sure. And, sure. but occasionally to just show that group energy right you know right but it's not a lot but it happens yeah. it goes down because when you say like uh, there's a guy used to have me come on occasionally and <laughs> freestyle so yeah. you just you're that guy that just kind of like you come out you take the mic and then you hang out you do your thing and yeah. then you go but and- it, it actually it was a band though and it was a couple bands at that okay time. rock bands yeah mm-hmm. um and like jazz fusion bands oh or whatever. yeah they would you know if they wanted to do something yeah um, and it, with a hip-hop beat yeah and they wanted some guys to rap they'd always call me up you know and um how'd you hook up with those guys um they used to come to where we would freestyle. We would hang out and rap. You know, okay, they were just okay. into it. Um, when you were in high school? No, in college. in college. So you had, the, college. you had the same crew. You had the same situation in college where you're like, we're the guys that yeah. hang around and freestyle. Exactly. We're the, we're but the probably guys. not as much break dancing because you're getting older. Yeah, yeah, a little less, a little less. And, I, you know, and I, my fitness level currently shows. Exactly. <laughs> That's when it all fell apart. Uh-huh. The beer came in and the breaking went out. <laughs> And that's now I have, the, that's the new single. Not to waste it. It might be. <laughs> Jesus, we're, we're writing songs. Who, who man. knew? Who the knew beer comes gonna... in and the breaking went out. Wow. Because that's sort of where you. I mean, I, that was the thing that I noticed about the the stuff you sent me mm-hmm. is that you're literally trying to integrate life as as you're living it. Yes, absolutely. Which is uh, which is not the rap life. It's nope. not the hackneyed idea, but it's just a guy yeah. who's getting older, he's dealing with uh, family responsibilities mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh you know family questions about absolutely. identity issues as a, you know, 30 to 40 year old mm-hmm. dude and and you're just laying that out. Right. I mean, a lot of the guys that I that I'm grouped with uh, in terms of sound, I mean, that's what we attempt to do is just uh kind of elevate the art form like that sounds kind of weird to say but uh you know to me this is like there's there's a legitimacy in in like what rap music is in uh-huh. terms of expression right um and there's room to me to, to all of us there's like room for all of our individual experiences in it and so that's yeah it's exactly what we're trying to do is, is but, but also like to have like to have a record that is called rappers will dive natural causes uh-huh is you know it's a it, it's there it's a counterintuitive cultural idea yeah absolutely and and that there's a, a a conscious attempt to sort of you know stand alone outside of of i think cultural expectation and absolutely. also you know slightly you know racist expectation of course of what you know rappers are supposed to be and what they're supposed to do 100% so that would mean that was sort of the the defining tone of what alternative rap is right so this happens, okay, so you do the gigs, you know, with the bands that, that need some sort of credibility, like <laughs> having a freestyling guy on yeah. stage. Let's yeah. bring out the guy that's got the real juice. And then, went, so that was your first gig. Right, but then, then they booked me. Like, they wanted me to have time for myself. They right. wanted to book me. They wanted my name on the flyer. They wanted to pay me to do a show. Right. And so I had to write some songs. Right. And then that's kind of you don't wait, you don't do the happened. freestyle in that situation. No, <laughs> I did not. I chose not to, and I surprised the shit out of a lot of people. They were like, "Oh, you know, you're gonna like do some songs. Yeah, like, it's yeah. kind of interesting." And then uh-huh. that's when I really I just got into the idea of really, really doing that, really making rap songs. I'd never really done writing. Before. Yeah, because like like me, uh, if I can bring it around to me, which I'm sure you're familiar with, <laughs> that. No, there, there, like, there's an idea that, like, I wouldn't say that I freestyle 
but you, you know, most of my stuff is built from improvisation. Right. And you know the difference between the juice and the rush of being on stage mm-hmm. and in that moment mm-hmm. and having to use those skills yep. just to survive absolutely as a performer because that's where you get off. Mm-hmm. And then to sort of say like, well, I can do that, but now I got a real opportunity here. Mm-hmm. Let's try this other thing. Let me try to you know mold it a Structure little bit. Shit, yeah. Isn't it exciting to realize like, oh my god, if I could have just been writing all along, <laughs> exactly. I could have done some real shit. Absolutely. Come, look, I I've actually have time to make rhymes that are right. kind of turn in on themselves. Right. And I things. can actually choose the best thing to say <laughs> and not just what I'm thinking of right at that moment. I'm still not great at that, dude. No, I, I still, understand. Like, I still like there's something about like just things being half done <laughs> that you know that make me you know, you, need, you like the room to roam and and I understand. Like I, every every set I do, I work in a freestyle. Like uh-huh. I just have to. I feel like it's not a show if I haven't explored the energy of me interplaying with the music in this crowd in this moment. You know, uh-huh. like it has to be worked in somehow. You know, and I know a lot of performers like that. They never do the same rap show twice. Right. Like, right. And it's not quite on the jazz level where they're just like super technical improvisations, but they uh, they get bored with doing the songs. So well, they. What was the moment where? Okay, so you get the opportunity to do a show. You write some songs, you surprise mm-hmm. yourself, you surprise other people. Yeah. So now, you know, you're going to be a rap artist and you've got your guys, you know, you've got your uh, uh, Tribe Called Quest yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, where you come from mm-hmm. in the heart. And then you've got rap expectations and you've got the, the mainstream music biz. Right. So where do you realize that, you know, your path is going to be different and you got to find like-minded people? And were you at the beginning of that? Well, you know what? I kind of was, but see... When I moved out here, I moved out here in 2004. Right. So I finished my de- my degree and I did a year of grad school because I was thinking, yeah, I'm going to do all psychology. that shit. No, the grad school, I did some other dumb program. I, I didn't want to take the GRE. So right then, like I'm starting to fall apart on the uh, on the academic tip because for me to follow that plan, I had to have, I would have had to have spent a year preparing for the exams to go to the next level. Mm-hmm. I didn't do any of that shit. Um and so I ended up just kind of getting in a grad program at the school I was at already that you did, there were no requirements and I did it and it fucking drove me crazy. And so I moved out here. I was only supposed to be here a year and I was supposed to do an AmeriCorps thing. And then I was going to jump back into grad school after doing that whole preparation thing right. and all that that I was supposed to do originally. And um, what's an AmeriCorps thing? Um, AmeriCorps is like a. You know how they have Peace Corps? Yeah. And then they go around the world. AmeriCorps is the same shit, but they just do community projects in America. Right. So that's yeah. a, they're they're actually honest and acknowledging that many parts of this country are a third world country. I mean, well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Basically. And more coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> yes. Dystopian future. Yeah. What are you going to do? I don't know. I, I'm, reading, I'm, I'm reading one of them books now, and I'm like, uh, I don't want to. I don't know. Yeah, no. I, I, it, all all the power could go out right now forever forever I'm for everybody yes for everybody and then what do we do i don't know hope our neighbor doesn't kill us and I take know. our shit i feel like the bully of the block is gonna just own everything the bully of the block man i mean like recently i've been thinking like reading this stuff where you really look at like you know if you read about the fucking congo uh-huh. if you read about how quickly you know just because of tribal leadership yeah people were macheting their neighbors yep it's like it would happen within hours. Mm. It was almost like you know what? It's on. Fuck you. Know, yeah. That's it. it. That's gonna happen. And I have zero <laughs> skills. I have zero I skills. I got nothing. nothing. I can't plant in anything. I can barely fry a hamburger. My my biggest defense is like whoa 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 whoa. Let me tell you a story. <laughs> 
Like, <laughs> uh, hope, hopefully, I can entertain. Yeah, some. Exactly. Hopefully, I can entertain it's, someone. That's and those, that's, those freestyle skills are going to come in. Swear. You're going to like you know. But uh, all right, so so that that you got derailed on that after a year, yeah. and you moved out here, or you moved out here for that, and you found something else. Yeah, I moved out here, and I got down with this collective. This collective out here called Project Blowed, and it's and I liken it to UCB. Um, everything scales different because there's a lot less money in indie rap there used to be a lot of money in music of course you know yeah. people bought cds like that was the main there's some rappers that are still doing pretty well i don't know if you know that oh you, you know what i'm going to I, I, give you the list i, I can... try to avoid them but <laughs> i cannot yes so um but yeah so uh economy shrunk down whatever but um right. project blowed and 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 it's like the ucb in the sense of uh it's collective that's based upon improv mm-hmm. it's an open mic that started out here in like 94 and um there's a big group of rappers that are from this collective and have always just kind of challenged each other uh, to just be better at improving and uh, you do songs there. Like, just like at UCB sometimes, like I've been to there for like the comedy bang, bang night and guys come out and do sets off of, off of notebooks. Sure. Like a, a lot like that uh, will go on a Project Blow. People will come and workshop new songs. Where is this? Uh, in Lamert Park, Where which is, is off of like 43rd and Crenshaw, mm-hmm. like right in the heart of like South LA. Uh-huh. Yeah. And now the tone of this is... There, is there still an awareness that, you know, we're not doing mainstream rap, we're not doing, you know, bullshit gangster rap, you know, we're doing this thing? It's, it was all about craftsmanship, honestly. Okay. It was all about... Um, didn't matter yeah, what they it, were talking it didn't, about. Yeah, the content barely mattered at uh-huh. all. Um, it, it was all about pushing the form. And uh, there, the thing was the emphasis on style, meaning, uh, you know, the different different rap styles and, and trying to do them all in an improv fashion to be that good to master all of those styles. Well, can you like, tell me what those are? I'm not going to pretend. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't sure, blame you. Like I, all I those styles. <laughs> like I, no, but I can listen and I, you know, I, I can tell mm-hmm. like, you know, in, in the limited experience I have listening to rap. That I can tell that there is a definable voice yeah. among those who we, you know we are told are great, right. or who have made a lot of money. Like I forgot to mention Snoop because I have listened right. to that, but you know you you definitely there is a personality that evolves. Mm-hmm. There is a style of timing exactly that that and is that's, different. That's that's exactly what that I'm you know you whether you're working you, know, you, you you it seems that a lot of times you're working within beats that are familiar exactly but you know, what you do with your personal timing the interplay the cadence right the style is all based on the cadence right 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 and so, and there's always some dude that's going to come along and kind of twirl things in yeah, a way yeah. where you're like oh there that's a signature it's, shit it's there. a new shit exactly yeah. exactly that's huh. why you know a lot of how eminem got really popular mm-hmm. is because um he was doing something with his cadence and like these three syllable rhyming words that nobody had ever really heard used on that level um and he, you know, and, and a lot of people just kind of always oh, white or what? No, like he actually did something different with his style that, like, I listened to him too. See, now yeah. you're reminding me. Yeah. That, but also, you know, the drive there too is that, you know, that something he brought to it that I had not heard in, in black rap was that, you know, I think there there's a lot of posturing, mm-hmm. and, I'm, and I'm being um, presumptuous, uh-huh. but I think there's a lot of posturing in, in the lyrics of black rappers where, Whereas, like, you know, when he, uh, when Eminem came, it was like, God, he's talking about some raw fucking white problems here. And, and there was an anger to it and a level of intensity and the honesty of it Mm -hmm. that, that I had not heard before. Is that possible? Absolutely. Um, on, on that level, absolutely. On, on, on the, uh, mainstream level. I mean, he was an, he's an incredible writer. So Mm -hmm. writing a song, what was that? 
the song about the guy stalking him or whatever. Um, just having a songwriter on that level in terms of mainstream rap had you know it hadn't been seen in a while. So a lot of that had to do with how now, he got and, real and there's not a, a shitload of white rappers in general. Yes, there are. Okay. Millions of them. Really? <laughs> They're everywhere. See, I threw that out there. I was them. They're everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> the fuckers. Well, you know, it's 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 you know, it's America, man. So you know what I mean. It's it really it gets into population numbers after a while. So like, there's that many white rappers, as many as there are white people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like in terms of once it, the form establishes itself, exactly. Once it becomes the dominant right. uh, mode of expression for the time, right? Yeah, believe me, because I, you know, I do a lot of touring, so that's that's mostly who I see. You know, I mostly see white rappers. Yeah, but I don't see a lot of them on stage. But I'm not going to those clubs. Well, yeah, yeah, but they're out there. They they are. Yeah, most of the underground is 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 white rappers. Most of them. Well, I think that you know, and this is like this is like such a white middle aged guy thing to say. But oh, lay it on me. No, I I think that in terms of of sampling and using sound textures, that the Beastie Boys were fucking great. Oh, absolutely. Like I think they changed the game for for rap in general. Absolutely. Well, I just said that with confidence. No, they are fucking incredible. I mean, like, because you listen to some of the sampling they did, it was like, what the fuck? Like, uh, what's what's your favorite Beastie Boys record? Paul's Boutique. See, I don't, I don't really, I never liked Paul's Boutique that much. Well, I I don't like the first one that much because it was it was still a little rock. I like uh, I like it when they're I like the rock shit like so I like uh, ill communication a lot. I like they that were too. Where, yeah, where, and there's that one. Is that the one with Bismarcky and Head Nugent samples? I think so. Yeah, and check your head. Like check your I, head's I, great. Yeah. I listened to the fuck out of that. Yeah, I like uh, those Paul's Boutique, check your head, and the ill communication. I listened to those are amazing records. And and, and you know and people. It's, it's, Check it your be, head. I think I listen to more than any. It would be really easy to say, yeah, you know, they were white. Or no, those fucking records are amazing. Those are amazing on a production records. level. Absolutely. Well, I didn't mean to de- derail this into the beastie territory. So, all right, so you guys have got this collective, and what you 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 know, it seems that part of the rap community is that every every rap song has a uh, featuring, <laughs> like there's <laughs> a small parenthetical featuring a bunch of names I don't know. Hey, you guess what? Guess what I have rapping on my next album? Who? Hannibal Burris. Got him doing his greatest verse ever. It's yeah, it's gonna be all. I can't wait. So is he is it. he doing it like Hannibal style? Oh, he does everything like Hannibal style. Slow down. Slow Han- it down. Hannibal. Hannibal beat me in a freestyle tournament when we were in college. You went to college with Hannibal. Yes. Yes. He did. Yeah. He beat me in a freestyle tournament. So his style must be interesting. He must be really laid back. Very much so. And that must be something. It, yeah. Yeah, for real. Because like as a comic, you're sort of like, oh boy. You don't want to... I'm sure... I, I don't know what he plays to come up to, but I don't think he should play anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because sometimes at clubs, are like, are you ready for your headliner? <laughs> yeah. Better not do that. No, no, <laughs> like no. He's going to have to establish his own pace. Yeah. Well, I think that's interesting in terms of and you know, I you know, I don't know if I'll be criticized for for saying this that that in in the world that you're operating in, which is alternative rap, which goes against on on some level from where I'm sitting, you know, cultural racial expectation. I'm not mm-hmm. saying racist, but that you know, as a culture, you know, there are expectations. Absolutely, and you know, they're stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, with Hannibal as well, that you know, Hannibal will not address race at all well he, and it, he does in very specific ways right but i yeah. mean but it's not he is he is uh operating against cultural expectations and against cultural expectations in the comedy world in, in right. particular so right. he won't do the um 
white guys do it like right. this, black guys do it like that. Or so. any real version of that. Exactly. And I and I think that's uh, an amazing thing. Even when, it, that was such a fucking, what does that even mean? What, is, what did you just use the word amazing for? I think it's a new thing. It's notable, for sure. Well, it's a new thing. That, you know, that, that with the world of alternative comedy and with the world of, you know, whatever anybody will call post-racial in mm-hmm. terms of, of how people are expressing themselves right. against cultural expectation, no matter what, what that race is or whatever you're doing up there, is relatively new thing. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a comforting thing and it's interesting. But I also what, what I wanted to address earlier is that idea that, you know, when I bring up white people... Uh-huh who you know want to identify so badly yeah. with black culture that you know it it must be annoying. Well, you know, to me and and I meant to mention this what I think I meant to mention this point earlier is uh the journalism is so dominated by that intention that that uh want, you know, for a nerdy guy to feel like he's on the pulse of it. Yeah, that what happens is um at least from my uh, vantage point, it seems like they try to elevate a lot of things that are really crude to some. Um, they try to find the art in in very crude, very to me things that aren't you know. Um, are you talking about the alternative music press in general? Yeah, I mean maybe even the you know the mainstream music yeah, press too. Right. Um, there's there's this cultural voyeurism that happens in the journalism that uh-huh. really gets it, it weirds me out sometimes. It's actually anti-journalism. What it is, it's sort of looking. It's their version of courting controversy to to get some juice, right? I don't know because I, I feel like I feel like a lot of them genuinely feel the way they do about the music, but I think a lot of times they don't understand how those racial and cultural expectations that we talk about inform their point of view on things okay they don't take that into account um mm-hmm. that they think some you know because you'll you'll get a guy saying that um somebody sounds more authentic than somebody else if they sound you know like if it's more hood or more gangster i don't think authentic. they understand how dangerous that word of is. an assertion that is you know what i mean that like he's authentic in that he's exactly what we've, we've always expected exactly, out of the negro exactly and and you know and you could you could put that in there and it would make it would make perfect sense and i think a lot of times they don't step back and realize that like you know they're helping to perpetuate shit that's right do that you know yeah well they're not they're not seeing the artist as an artist right their their being their their opinion is overshadowed by their own stereotyping, right? And, oh, and they're buried they're buried in the context all of, you know, and they don't realize they're helping to create it as well. And it mm-hmm. gets tricky. That's where it gets annoying to me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's where it gets annoying, and that's why I feel like it's the obstacle between you know the guys who, like I said, are trying to make this a more substantial or more. Um, uh, you know, trying to like I said, elevate, elev- yeah, you know, or elevated or. We're trying to make it, give it the value that art has. You know, yeah. Like, you're taking what you, what you're saying is that you know we're, this is where we are now, right? And these are the people that are doing this now, right, right? Right. And and we found our own world here, and this is you know this is the craft, right? And and now we want to you know we want to own it, right? For who we are now, right? And that is not who those guys were then or those guys that live over there or what you think we ought to be. Right. 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 And, um, and I guess in a sense in, in just doing it, yeah, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're, we're validating it that way. But well, I guess but, the problem is that we have to, we got to sell it on the marketplace. Right. Right. So that's when you run into all this other shit, you know what I mean? Like you run into, you know, you, you, you're constantly reminded of how not valuable it is in that sense. And then that gets weird too. 
What do you, why do you think that is? I mean, you know, when you talk about that, you, you, be be specific because you you are doing a popular music form, right? But what what defines the the sort of crew that you're involved with? You know, you're on a national level. I'm not just talking about the five uh-huh. guys or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you know, th- this is obviously some sort of conscious movement, right? And what defines it? Uh, I mean. The the simplest way I would say is just, is like we were talking about earlier, just kind of being true to you and your experience, the individuality of your experience. And, and not mythologizing. You can mythologize your own personal legend. Right. You know, um, but not to make any attempt to connect to those um, popular stereotypes or archetypes that you are not in order to push for rap themes. Yeah, exactly. It, you know, or you can take the rap themes and bend them and make them personal. But the thing is not to make something that's disposable, because I feel like most of, you know, what's put out in the mainstream, that's really my my beef with a lot of it. It's just, it's, it's disposable. It's so um, it's disposable because it's not unique. That yeah. yeah, if it's a pop song, it's a pop song. Right. Whatever rap is, right. it, it doesn't matter exactly. when it comes right down to it. As a pop song, right? You know, either it's it, it, either it's it's about you know money and right. women. And and whatever, but not in any kind of personal way. Just no, just about general, those things. Yeah, those are the themes. Right. Let's just hit them to make a pop song. Right. So you're saying that you know, on some level that your life is what it is, and everybody's life on some level is mundane. But but there's a value in that. And no, I, no, right. right. That yeah, the life that the guys were living on the South Side when they were smoking crack or, right. or, or cutting their teeth in that world, that may have been their life. Exactly. And it, yeah, it was a menacing, you know, exciting life. Absolutely. And, you know, people died and there right. were problems. Right. But, you know, you're just dealing with like, you know, the line at Starbucks or how you're going to deal with your relationship. And, and this is your life. Absolutely. Right. And, that you know, it doesn't have to be menacing. I mean, there's something sort of like, uh, you know, charming about it. And there's, there's, there's menace in the mundane sometimes. Yeah, too. there is. You know, if you get into... And I think a lot of us, too, that do this kind of thing, we live in our heads a lot as well. And so you, you get into the menace of like yourself versus yourself in a lot of situations, too. And, and I think that's probably a, a unique thing mm-hmm. that I don't think See, like this is you know something you know, that may indicate my own idea of stereotyping. But but I have often thought that the immediacy of the urban black experience mm-hmm is you know it's tangible it's tangible in the narratives of rap and there's it's tangible in the way communities work absolutely and and i think that you you know i think that it might be and i and i could be wrong here that the cultural idea in the black community of Mm self-awareness self-reflection uh or even you know being heady Mm -hmm. is is somewhat unique in in the creativity it's 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 not that it's it's not fostered Right. But it's okay. there. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. And and I would say that, you know, everybody I've ever known has had has had some aspect of it. I mean, even if it just comes from them smoking a lot of weed and sitting and thinking, they still, you know, they, they get the inner dialogue. There's not a lot of conduits or encouragement to express it. Um Right, because there's a a, a language of that the there there I think and this is not just black culture, but I think that in a, a, a relatively macho culture. Right. The idea of of needing help or or having those thoughts uh, would seem insecure or weak, and which is absolutely what you're not supposed to appear. And exactly like so that you know that that is the obstacle. You know that's why it's not fostered with the black audience. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting though. Uh, there's 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 ways in which it can be embraced. Uh, there's ways in which mainstream artists do even like a lot of what Kanye does, like. 
you know, you talk about somebody who makes a song called Let's Make a Toast to the Assholes. Yeah. You know, like. I like him. I, I think he's, I can, I can typically appreciate what he does, even if I don't always like it. I appreciate that a guy at his level takes the artistic and aesthetic risks that he does and he continues to, you know, he, 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 it pays off for him to keep because taking those Because he's a little risks. nuts. He is. <laughs> and he explores it and yeah. expresses it yeah. and he's very vulnerable. Yeah. The yeah. exact thing that we're talking about that right. you're not supposed to be. Vulnerability, He's right. vulnerable all the time. Yeah. And, and I think like that's really awesome that he's vulnerable on that level. You know, mm-hmm. and so well, well, tell me about this marketplace. In the sense, is is is, is what's the struggle? Hmm. Uh, who are you trying to find? Oh, uh, wow. Um, I feel like a lot of people who listen to indie rock, like indie rock, is to me a, a more developed industry than indie rap is. Uh-huh. Um, probably just because there's more money in yeah. it. Uh, so that so you know the middlemen can foster the structure a little bit better and uh, things are more lubricated, uh, and and I feel like a lot of our audience is probably that audience as well. It's just that the avenues of exposure aren't very. Uh, but you've got to deal with the, the indie audience in the sense that you know a lot of these kids you know grew up with rap, uh-huh. and I just wonder uh-huh. you have to deal with their expectations as yeah. well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, like I, sure. I wonder if they they sort of want the Wild West. The, you know, uh, <laughs> many they choose they do choose that uh-huh. they do choose that quite a bit. I mean, and that's you know, it's a, there there are some tough realities in this indie rap thing. I mean, one of the main ones is this, and even Public Enemy. You listen to Chuck D talk about it. He he realized Great early guy. on that it didn't matter what he said if the beats weren't making people dance. Okay. And so everything they ever did, yeah. super pounding, up tempo, just layers of percussion, yeah. Um, and a lot of my guys, like the guys that I consider myself a part of, we completely eschew that. We, I, I, I don't like dance music, uh-huh. and so there's very little of that infused in what I do. Uh-huh. But that's a choice that I make that reflects in how far my music can go uh-huh. as well uh-huh. because rap primarily is it's it's dance driven a lot of people don't really consciously think about that but uh-huh. that's that's the marketplace it's also know. bass driven apparently yeah. oh absolutely I, I know that from driving <laughs> the neighborhood yeah <laughs> absolutely <laughs> so okay so th- this is your fight you know fuck you I'm not g- you can't yeah. dance to this right away. You know what I mean? You're or ever to- maybe like, you know <laughs> what I mean? Was this that see that's the thing though, was I'm the kid who was listening to Frank Black. You know yeah. what I mean? Who yeah. was listening to They Might Be Giants. Like, yeah. So yeah. um I can't do anything but be true to that if I want to make what I think is the best thing I can make. Okay. So the, you've decided your your integrity. You've decided your uh yeah. the parameters yeah. of your art. And so you're gonna have to fight that fight. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know. It, parameters it's, makes it sound like, um, like it's a conscious front front lobe kind of decision, and it's not. It's just it's more about being true to what what I respond to creatively. Uh-huh. And if somebody gives me a bunch of beats and they're dancing, typically that doesn't make me want to do anything. It just I'm, I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not encouraged to to you know what I mean to write to that. It doesn't call anything out of me. You know so what I, I mean. So I think we got the title for the next CD. Uh, I'm but... not dancing. <laughs> there you go. Me and Frank Sinatra. Neither one of us. We won't. We won't dance. No. Uh, when the beer came in, the breaking went out. It's <laughs> the first cut on. I'm not dancing. How about it? How about it? you got jewels, Mark? <laughs> dropping jewels over here. Thank God. 
I always wanted jewels. But uh, but but is your biggest fear that you know one day you're going to be like, all right, man, I got a. You have a wife, yes, and a kid, yes. Okay, because I heard you talking about them or rapping about them. So, is your biggest fear that is that one day it's like, fuck it, I'll, give me that beat, the one that makes people move. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I um, got a thing that'll, and that's, and then that beat that that breaks you. That that's sort of like that's a good tune. <laughs> Let's have um, some more of that. I'll tell I'll tell you this. I, I've recently discovered in myself that um, I have to stop fighting styles of rap because that's another thing that came in, in Chicago and the segregatedness of it. Yeah. There were certain rap cadences that we said, oh, only the gangster guys do that. Uh-huh. So we don't do that. Yeah. We do all this weird. Exp- yeah, but like, yeah. how did they that's respond to you? That's a false dichotomy. You but know how did I mean? they respond to you? Those, those yeah. gangster, well, it depends. Uh, I used to do a lot of like punchline rap and so that yeah. was generally you know, people yeah. generally dug that everywhere. Right? Yeah, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Like, got the, a good turn of phrase. Heavy analogies yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, and, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. They were really into that. So you could you could get around the guns uh, yeah. by doing- Absolutely. Yeah, by having your own chops. So what was the false dichotomy? Um, that there's something inherently um, inferior about a rap style versus another, and that I shouldn't use one because- only a certain type of person uses that. And what that's done is I've, I've been doing some experimenting where I'll take a style that somebody has typically only used to talk about uh, money and women, but then I'll do some of my washing dishes raps over it in, sure. in that style. Right. I'm like, oh, okay, this this, this is interesting. You know? oh, yeah, so, yeah. you know, I'm finding, finding <laughs> stuff that way too. That's great, yeah. man. That's fucking clever. Well, I wish you the best of luck. I think we did good here. Did we uh, do good? Man, I think we did great. I'm sweating, man. This is awesome. <laughs> Losing we, weight in did, here, man. Did we miss anything? No, I, I think I think I think we covered, covered it. stuff. All right. I, I think stuff got covered. Well, man. I'm glad we did it, Mike. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Really it's great talk. It, man. They used to act all active and lawless. They used to live like bachelors balling. And all actresses hit menopause. And rappers will die of natural causes. They're going to get hip fractures from falling. They're going to need Viagra and bypasses. They're going to wait for their grandkids to call them. And rappers will die of natural causes. Huh. That's it. That's Hip-hop's our show. Thank you for being here. Uh, I hope we learned. I hope we enjoyed. I hope there's some new music for you to go find. Mike Eagle's got some new stuff up. You can get that at openmikeeagle.bandcamp.com. How's that? Open Mike Eagle. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E-E-A-G-L-E.bandcamp. Dot com for the new stuff. How would that be? Go to WTFPod.com for all your WTF Pod needs. Get on the mailing list. Check the episode guide before you ask me to have people on the show. What else? Check my schedule. I'll be in Montreal this year at the Just for Last Festival. I'll be at the main stage in Chicago at the end of August. Got dates coming up. God damn it, I feel disgusting. I ate more food than I could ever imagine possible over this few days in Seattle. I'm not going to sit there. I'm not going to sit here and do this. I'm not. Oh, my God. Boomer lives! <laughs>